91, Psalm 91. I want to read uh, our text today, Psalm 91. The uh, uh, entire psalm is brief. It's only 15 verses, but uh, we'll read it and then uh, draw some encouragement from the psalmist's words as we think about the circumstances that our world's facing these days. Let's go ahead and stand together once you reach your place in Psalm 91. Psalm 91 and um, verse 1 through verse 15. Psalm 91, verse 1 through verse 15. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes thou shalt behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall, be, uh, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because thou hast set his love upon me, and because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd add your blessing to the reading of thy word today and help us as we think about uh, the circumstances that the world finds itself in, that uh, our trust needs to remain steadfastly in thee and in thy word. And we pray your blessing on the reading of thy word now in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, individual who's uh, facing uh, uh, a, uh, a visible enemy and knows Christ, has uh, often referred back to the uh, protections that God offers through uh, the comfort of His Word in, in a psalm like this one. So one of the things that um, you might want to be doing more of in these uh, days is spending a little more time when, if you are uncomfortable and, and ill at ease, uh, spend a little more time in the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, great comforts in times like these, uh, certainly. One of the things that um, we can see that is occurring is that people are becoming more aware of how easy it is to turn a world upside down uh, economically and socially and uh, in, in these ways. It's uh, amazing how different things are in the world today from what they were a month or so ago when the stock market was soaring and uh, all the uh, indicators were that everything was going to be coming up roses. And so uh, we have uh, certainly a different prospect today. But one of the things that uh, is uh, a real benefit of a time like this is that people realize the frailty of um, the world and the frailty of the world system. 
and begin maybe to look another direction, look an, uh, into another kingdom. The one that uh, the Lord Jesus said is uh, the important one, the kingdom that is not of this world. And so um, we, we're seeing that today. I lamented some weeks ago in one of my uh, bulletin posts about the fact that I hadn't heard any public official uh, declare any need for prayer in all of this. And so it's finally come to that place where uh, the highest official in our land, the President of the United States, has called for a day of prayer, a national day of prayer. And uh, rather than just, uh, you know, a breakfast at the White House or something like that or at the uh, on Capitol Hill, it's a national day of prayer for our nation, for our people, for, our, for the world. And so I thank the Lord that uh, there are some in public office that are beginning to realize that the answer is higher than government offices or medical centers. It's um, above that. Um, the scripture says, I looked unto the hills from whence cometh my help. But then the psalmist said, wait a minute, I've got to look higher than that. My help cometh from the Lord. So uh, that's where our help's going to come from. And so we certainly need to heed that. And I, uh, on this occasion, am, am prone to uh, agree with the those that have called a national day of prayer for us to heed that uh, in a in a uh, corporate way today, uh, it is a good good day to call national day of prayer is the Lord's day, and so uh, certainly we as Christians ought to be first to recognize the importance and the value of of a day of prayer, a time of prayer, and so we've been doing that in our Sunday school classes. We've had some prayer time together in our Sunday school classes, but I want to do this before we uh, start the service, before we start the uh, preaching time, I'd like for us to uh, acknowledge our need as, as a people, as a church, as individuals in a church and as a state, as a nation, I'd like for us to, to acknowledge our need. And one of the ways that uh, we do that is by humbling ourselves and, and uh, praying. And so the Bible says, if my people, uh, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven uh, and so we want the, the Lord's attention, and uh, we want to uh, be able to follow His prescription for that. So I want to ask you, if you're physically able to join me in prayer on our knees, let's uh, humble ourselves before the Lord. If you're physically able, uh, let's just bow before the Lord, and, and um, I'm going to bow upon my knees here. And if you are not physically able to get down and back up again, we certainly understand your heart is bowed before the Lord. and. And uh, that is just as, uh, that is actually more important than the position of our knees. But uh, if physically we're able to do that, we'll get on our knees and we'll uh, make this a, a day of prayer. I'll lead us in prayer as we, uh, as we think about these things. Our Heavenly Father, we come before your presence today and we thank you that uh, our nation's leaders are finally recognizing that this is bigger than the uh, the work of men and the work of medicine can can deal with that uh, Lord and it seems sometimes the the reaction and response to the issue is sometimes more difficult and devastating than the issue itself and that may be the case here but Father we pray that you would uh, help our uh, elected leaders to uh, be uh, to be uh, wise about their decisions their choices their leadership I Pray, Father, that you'd give wisdom to all of those involved in the 
areas of medicine. We have many uh, medical professionals in our congregation right here who face the 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 front of the battle uh, in a sense because they're where people are coming in that are ill. And so I pray, Lord, that you would have your hand of protection upon our nurses, our doctors, our pharmacists, our uh, dentists, our professional uh, medical people. I pray that each one of them would, would have a, um, a hedge of protection wrapped around them and that your, uh, that your presence and power would be sensed in their lives as they, as they minister to people that are ill. We pray that, uh, Lord, you would bless uh, our political leaders and our uh, medical personnel and those that are involved in the day-to-day -day, um, response to the virus and, and to other things. I just pray that you, you would uh, uh, help them to minister as unto the Lord and to uh, give themselves that way. And I pray that we as a people, uh, probably there are going to be in the days ahead, some of us who fall ill with this um, strain of the flu that's coming through. It's it's uh, always been the case before in previous versions of the flu, and no doubt it will uh, be so again. But I pray, Lord, that you would uh, uh, give uh, help and, and strength and comfort and healing to all that may come down with that or, or other issues related to it. I pray for our, um, our businesses across the country and the uh, workforce, all the working people that are struggling to to uh, uh, to deal with this and respond to it. I pray that you would uh, help them to see the way forward. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, that you would meet their needs. I pray for the moms and dads who uh, are in situations where with the kids home from school now for a few weeks and um, the need of uh, extra help with uh, care for the kids. And, and the concerns about how they're going to get to work and how they're going to take care of the kids and how they're going to feed uh, them. I pray, Father, that you would just um, give them help and help us as uh, who are in positions to give help to be able and willing to, to do that. pray for our seniors especially who are probably the most susceptible to the difficulties that lie ahead. I just pray that you would uh, comfort them and help them to rely on thee. And I pray that you'd protect them through this as well. And Father, we now, as we think about what um, you, your uh, psalmist faced in his life when the time came for uh, his, the response to what was going on in his life and his nation, I just pray that you'd help us to make application of some of these things to our own situation. I pray for our young people, our boys and girls, our kids, our teens, um, the, uh, the working adults and the retired. And I just ask that in each case, in each category, that you would give us comfort and give us wisdom and help us to learn to more fully and completely trust in Thee. I pray, Father, that in this time uh, that our nation is shaken, our world is shaken, that, uh, God, we would see a, um, uh, an awakened desire for people to turn their eyes to heaven. And I pray, Father, that uh, perhaps this might uh, be something that though the devil would use for his purposes, I pray that uh, it would be turned around and that it would be used for the eternal purposes of God and that we would see some some uh, measure of revival across our nation and around our world that people would turn their their lives into your hands. And I ask that even today if there's anyone here that doesn't have the full assurance and confidence that Jesus is their Lord and Savior that today they'd come to Christ and Father help us to minister and be a blessing to them. And we ask your comfort now and your help at these times in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. All right, let's get back in our Bibles to Psalm 91, and let's look what our psalmist had to say about the uh, situation that he faced. And we see him beginning uh, very, very much at the beginning. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. The first thing that we need to imitate that uh, the psalmist gives us the help with is we need to imitate his conscious decision to take God as his keeper. That was what he decided to do there in verse 1 and 2. He said, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, in the circumstances I'm facing, I am going to consciously commit myself to God as my keeper. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to lean on Him. I'm going to make uh, clear in my mind and heart that He is my refuge and He is my for, uh, fortress. That's the way it ought to be. We have, uh, we have a government that has a role in society. The Bible makes it clear that God ordained government, that it is one of those institutions that God has placed uh, among men to maintain order, to allow us to have the opportunity to carry on life without chaos. And uh, certainly none of us has to have a very vivid imagination to consider what the world would be like if every man did that which is right in his own eyes and there was no governing body to give any direction to the uh, people as a whole. Certainly we can understand that. and We can recognize the value of government. We have government and we need to pray for good government. We need to uh, ask the Lord to uh, be present with those that lead us. We see in the scripture that that is his desire, that he wants those in positions of authority and power and leadership to turn to him and to lean upon him, to be directed by him. So I'm grateful for those in our government, in places of power, in our government that, that do that, that acknowledge that. There aren't a lot of them, but there are many in the, uh, in the places of, of uh, political power that do acknowledge the Lord, and I thank God for that. I am grateful for Vice President Pence and his outspoken testimony for Jesus Christ. He isn't ashamed to admit his uh, faith in Christ, and isn't ashamed to act in manners that uh, reflect that. And I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I'm grateful for whatever actions anyone takes of whatever political party they are. If they acknowledge God in any sense in their lives, we're appreciative of that. And we're appreciative of the fact that uh, some of them do understand that God ought to have a role in government. And because the... Uh, the nation is founded on principles that are Bible principles, such as the separation of church and state does, has never meant that uh, the founding fathers intended for our government to have no accountability or, or responsibility to God. Certainly that has never been the case with uh, those that, uh, uh, that set our nation in motion and set the founding principles in place. And I thank God for that. We certainly have made improvements in some areas in, in uh, our um, law and the rights of the people that are under that government, but the, uh, ultimately the role of government is subservient to the role of God in our lives. So we need to recognize that, and this is what the psalmist is doing here in the passage that we have before us. He's making that conscious 
decision not to rest his comfort and rest his hope in the, um, in the leadership uh, in Israel and the king. And in this case, it was likely David. It doesn't tell us for sure that it was David who wrote this psalm, but likely it was. But he was in a place in his life where he recognized that the, the rest and hope that he had could not be left to the level of a king or a kingdom, but it had to be placed in a place that was higher and more secure than that one. And so it is. The, um, the medical science has a place. There, there certainly is, um, you know, there are those that are extremists on the left who would suggest that if you're a Bible believer that you don't believe in science, you know. And so uh, there are those that, that um, you know, take that extreme position. And, and I, I think they do it knowing that that is not the case, but do it with intent to, um, to, to undermine the position of, uh, of a conservative Christian. I, I'm certain that um, that is part of the motivation that is there. And, and so it is certainly not something that we as Bible believers stand and say, well, we just don't believe in science. We just don't care for science that's falsely so-called science. <laughs> We don't care for science that uh, you know that is that is not true to the prince, to to the scientific principle. Um, we certainly we are certainly in a a place for that. I noted that in my in my note this week is that uh, some of the most prominent and greatest contributions to science that have ever been made have been made by Bible believing Christians. And so certainly no Bible believing Christian has ever taken the position that we don't believe in science of any kind of medical science or this science or that science. Uh, um, science is, is valuable and helpful and, and we, enjoy the, um, we enjoy the level of benefit in our lives that we do partly because of the uh, advancements in genuine science. We appreciate genuine science. We appreciate science that is based in fact rather than in fiction. So uh, when uh, when the leftist uh, accuses the uh, the conservative person of not believing in science, he really is uh, he really is taking the position as uh, that he has science as his religion. It's his religion, and he worships at the altar of science. Well, we never have done that as Bible believers. We don't uh, hold we don't have an altar to the religion of science. We don't have such an altar as that, and we don't hold science in such high regard that what science says takes precedence over what God says. Uh, that is certainly the wrong uh, precedent to set, to begin to accept the pronouncements of science as though they were infallible. Science is certainly not infallible, and anyone that's takes any time to, uh, to look at the course of science over the course of time, can understand how often science has had to change its position and had to back away from things that they held to be factual when they never were factual. So certainly science and medical science has a very important and prominent place uh, in our lives, but it is never to take the position that God ought to have in our lives. So, my friends, let me encourage you to do what uh, with this with this current situation in our country. Let me encourage you to do what the psalmist did, and come back to the place of remembering, you know, that that my trust is in the Lord. Now, David had to remind himself of that from time to time because he got to the place at times where he's overwhelmed with what was happening in the world around him. 
he was just overwhelmed with it, you know. And uh, you've probably been overwhelmed with the crowds at the uh, store that you've gone to and thought, what in the world is happening here? It's, is this the end of all supplies and we're not going to see them anymore? The trucks are going to stop running. The trains are going to stop running. The farmers are going to stop growing their crops. Uh, is this the last chance we have to buy toilet paper, you know? Um, <laughs> It really, it really isn't, you know, it really isn't. It'll, it'll be restocked and restocked and restocked till finally everybody got their house full. And um, then you, you and I that buy it as we need it, you know, we'll be able to have it then. So uh, in the meantime, you keep your yellow pages and uh, your um, <laughs> Sears catalog handy. <laughs> so so uh, and install a bidet if you need to in the house, whatever you need, you need to do that. But uh, but we, uh, you know, we, we see these overreactions and this panic buying and so forth like that and the shelves being emptied out in stores and we can become, you know, uh, caught up in that and overwhelmed by that. David was, he, he was a man of God, a man after God's own heart, yet if you read the Psalms all the way through, you find at times he thought, Man, the, the wicked are, are the ones that are getting the advantage. The world is, is, the, the world is, going, is taking everything over. We, we don't have hope, you know, and, and we're, we're, uh, there's, we might as well just sit down and die. David got to that place in his life a few times. And so this is not something that's the first time for David to come to and just say, okay, right now here I'm going to finally place my trust in Jesus Christ. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the first time. It wasn't the only time. It wasn't... Uh, the fact that he's, this is the point at which he trusts Christ and is saved and he, he trusted God for salvation. No, he's, he's been uh, following God. He's been a child of God. He knows his relationship to the Father. But he is just reiterating how important it is for him to remember where he lives. And he lives under the shadow of the Almighty and he abides in the presence of the Lord. And so he reminds himself of that. He's, he's my refuge. Oh yeah, that's right. God is my refuge. And you and I need to consciously decide that during the course of our day and week. It's God that's my refuge. It's he that is my fortress. And in him I can trust. So that's what uh, the psalmist was uh, bringing home for us, uh, that, that uh, he's our abiding place. We are under his shadow. To dwell there means to, of course, to, to just to, to learn to live in that uh, attitude, to learn to live, to abide in that place rather than just visit once in a while to the place of trusting God, to the place of leaning on Him, but to dwell in that place. He calls it the secret place with God. The secret place with God. And that's, uh, that's a good place to be in. It involves not just head work, but heart work, you know. It involves some heart work. That secret place with God, where is it with you and when is it with you that you are there in the presence of God in that secret place? Well, it's, it's got to be daily and it needs to be, you know, in a time with the Word, with the Scriptures, you need to be in that secret place with God. The house of God is, is a public place and it is an important place. It's a place where we're told to gather together and we're, uh, we're, told, we're exhorted to all the more so as the day of Christ approaches. We're exhorted to gather together, but the secret place with God is that daily place. It's a, it's a place of the heart and the mind and the spirit where you're connected with God and the Word of God is where you need to uh, be. You need to be in the Word and uh, in a place where you can let the Word of God, the Spirit of God speak to you through the Word, you need to find that place uh, every day in your life where that, uh, that secret place can become 
really the most important time of your day. That's what we need to emphasize here. And so David, you know, probably like us, got caught up with all the stuff he had to do and all the things that were going on in his military uh, decisions that he had to make and all, all of the various day-to-day uh, routines that uh, our life gets into when it gets into a routine. So David had, at this time of crisis in his life, had come back to that point of a conscious decision to trust uh, in the Lord. And then he encouraged other people to do the same. When he, when he got it himself, he, he says in those first two verses, this is what I'm going to do. And in verse 3 and 4, he's, he's encouraging other people the same way. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. A pestilence is... Uh, is a disease like we're talking about here. It's a, um, it's a pandemic. That's what he's talking about here. Uh, from the noisome pestilence, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. See what David's doing? He's got it figured out himself, and he remembers he's got back to the place of trust himself, and now he's saying, I need to go out and minister to others, help other people see this. That's your place now is that you get it, you're a child of God, you're saved, and you know that you're being reminded by the time in your word and prayer that God is the one that's got it in control and he's, he's in charge. And so you're resting in that and you're calmed down and you're thinking, okay, you know, um, I need a loaf of bread today and I may have to stand in line for an hour to get, up, get to it. And if it's not there, oh well, you know. Um, by the way, you know, it's possible to fast for a day, you know. It's possible that, uh, and uh, you know, it, it may—it's a great way to uh, to uh, conserve your food that's in the uh, in the cupboard there. Just fast for a day or two, you know. Uh, it it uh, will not do you any harm, and uh, it may be one of the things God reminds us of in a time like this, where it's just not quite as easy to go get whatever we want wherever we want it. It's not quite as easy. Maybe the, one of the things the Lord wants to remind us of is, hey, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt us to set aside a day of fasting or even miss a meal, uh, uh, you know. Don't break fast until noon or don't break fast until supper, you know. And uh, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, to discipline ourselves in, in that area. Oh, maybe one of the things that, uh, that uh, God will remind us of. But David said, oh, these things I'm reminded of, these things I'm resting in, this is where I'm confident. I'm under the shadow of his wings now and I'm remembering that. Now I need to communicate that to others around me. And so that's what he was really doing there in the passage we just read. He was saying, look, you know, uh, his truth is going to be, as it's been my shield and my buckler, it's going to be yours as well. You need to get there as well. Verse 9, he reiterates that. Verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. He said, I've got it, you know, and I'm understanding. I want you to get it as well. I want you to communicate it as well. So what's your position this week? One of the things that you can do is be an encourager to others who, you know, are nervous and upset and, and um, having difficulty remembering where their trust needs to be. You can help them with that as well. Be an, encourage, an encourager. Um, with, uh, with our trust in the right place, our fear of being caught up in the snare of the fowlers is dissipated, you know. To be caught in the snare of the fowler suggests this. It's, you know, it's, the snare is something you can't see. It's unknown. You don't know what's there. And, uh, you know, it, it sprung on you. So I would say it would be like something unknown. And that is the case with us facing the future. It's unknown whether how many of us will 
get the flu or get the coronavirus. It's unknown right now what, what the whole run of the thing's going to be, how long it's going to last, how deep it's going to, you know, uh, uh, dig in the economy and so forth. We don't know those things. Nobody knows those things. They're unknowns to us. And that was what, you know, that's the idea of the snare of the fowler. It's not something that's out in the open you can see and you can avoid. It's just something that, okay, I don't know what's ahead there. I'm not certain about that. But he says the fear that is associated with that, he wants us to, he, he doesn't want us to have that. He wants us to be clear, uh, to rest in him, because he said, I'm going to protect you from the danger of the snare of the fowler. I'm going to be the one that, that helps uh, guide your steps so that you don't step into the traps that the devil has for you in a time like this. That's one of the dangers that exist in a time like this is that we can step into the traps of the devil, the traps of discouragement, of despair, of hopelessness, of giving up, of just uh, going with the, the worry and fear and fretting and, you know, carried away by that stream. Uh, he says, you don't need to step into that trap there, and I want to protect you from that. God has uh, his believers covered. We see uh, the shield that we talked about there in verse 4, in the second, last part of verse 4, he says, there's a shield that I have for you. And do you see what the shield is? It's the word of God, the, the, the truth of God's word. It's the truth. And he says, the shield is the shield of truth. You carry that shield with you and you have that uh, in your home. You need to have it in your day-to-day -day life to be becoming familiar with the shield, the truth of the word of God. In times like these, we also see how easy it is for the world to be shaken, you know. And it's the more reason we have to draw close to the protection of our protector, to, f to come under his wings like a little, the little chicks, you know, when they see the danger of the hawk above, they scramble under the wings of the mother hen and she protects the chicks. And that's the imagery that God is giving there as he spreads his wings and we come under the shadow of his wings in uh, his care. So that's the thing we need to focus on. Now we also need to see that God's deliverance uh, is not only from the evil itself, but it's even from the fear of evil itself. So verse 5 and 6 again, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Now all of those things were present in the course of David's life. All that stuff was there. The terror, the arrows, the bombs, the, the uh, wars, the, uh, you know, all of these things were going on in his life. Pestilence, trouble, you know, these things were all somewhere uh, happening somewhere around him in the course of David's life, but God wanted him delivered even from the fear of those things. And the world, the world's got lots to be afraid of. If you weren't a Christian, you, if you're not a Christian here, you've got lots to be afraid of. I I'm, 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 uh, agree with you. You should be afraid uh, because you haven't got the shadow of the wings of the, Lord to, of the Lord to run under. You haven't got the protection of the Word of God. You haven't got the shield. You haven't got the Holy Spirit. You, you're, you know, wide out in the open and you're, you know, you're caught in the crossfire. Uh, certainly you have something to fear. If you're of the world and in the world, that's what's going on. The world is, has its terrorism. It has its wars. The bombs are going off. There's destruction the destructive things out there. There's, there's things that are much more uh, potent as far as destructiveness than, than the flu that is going around. A whole bunch of things that are, uh, that are taking much higher casualties than this one is. So 
Um, certainly we have reason, if, we're, if we don't have the protection and help of the Lord, we would have reason in this world, if we're of this world and in this world, to fear these things, these pestilences, these diseases, these uh, uh, terror attacks, these, these uh, threats against the, the very fabric of our society. We would certainly have reason to fear. But the uh, Lord tells us as believers that he wants us to be delivered even from the fear of those things. And how can that be? Because we've got to go back to the starting place that David started with. He's, his trust is in the Lord because he knows God is on the throne. He knows God is in control of it all. So, so he's, he just needs to remind himself, as we do, of that. God delivered his own from the grip of those fears that they had. So it's often the result of the fears that we have about something is worse than the something itself, you know. Uh, the, the something itself right now, in our case, is the flu, is the corona-19, you know. And uh, by the way, it's not by any means the first coronavirus. There's been a bunch of them before that. And so uh, corona-19 is a designation that was given to it because it was uh, begun and was discovered in 2019. So it's corona-2019 virus. But it means... The implication is that there's several before it that were also coronaviruses that had their effect as well. And it also indicates that there's going to be some more. This isn't the end of it, you know. When we get through this coronavirus and uh, move on with life, there's going to be another one. It comes uh, in the fall or the spring of next year. And then the next year after that, and the next year after that. So, uh, you know, if we're going to live in fear of these things happening... Uh, we just might as well, you know, live in fear. But God does not want us to be in that place, in that position. He wants us not to be full of fear of the pestilences. And one of the things that occurs when, the, when these are overblown, such as, you know, as seems to be happening here, one of the things that occurs is the resulting harm that comes from the fears that are generated with it. So he wants to protect us from that as well. God has his ministers at work even when we don't see them. And that's seen in the 11th verse there. For he shall, keep his, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, and they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He refers uh, to the ministry of angels. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament, are they not all ministering spirits? And so we have the ministry of angels. We talk in, the, in uh, terms of guardian angels, you know. And um, then, uh, you know, we wonder sometimes, well, if, I'm, if I have a guardian angel watching over me all the time, how come bad things happen to me sometimes? The purposes of God are, are deeper than we can understand. But we do have the comfort from Scripture that God is not just unaware of what's happening in your life and in the world, you know. And he's got uh, his emissaries, his ambassadors, his ministers involved in the whole situation. So it's a comfort to know that God is at work in the behalf of his people. That's the idea of the passage there, that God is at work, whether it be by the ministry of angels or whether it be by other means, God is at work in the, in the care of his people. So set your love on the Lord. As the, the, the last three verses, it's reversed, and God is talking in verse 13, 14, and 15. And he's saying, I'm going to do this for those that set their love on me. The, those believers that just, you know, reaffirm uh, their commitment to the Lord and their desire to be under his care. It's his words that are being spoken here. 
in the in the last uh, couple of three verses there. He says, uh, "Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath." And he's now this is God speaking, but because he the the psalmist, the believer, because he hath set his love upon me, upon God, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. It would be a great thing for us to, to understand that knowing his name involves getting into the thing that describes him most fully, and that's the word of God, uh, to know his name. Uh, and he, because he hath known my name, he, the psalmist or the believer, shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. With long life I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, that's the Lord speaking to you and me and just saying, hey, uh, I want to reverse this. I want to step into this conversation. And he says, I want, to under I want you to understand that as you uh, co are committed to trusting me, I'm committed to blessing and helping you. And so it is. Uh, he gives all that encouragement to every one of us. And so we can, we can rest from our fears. We don't have to, you know, be uh, tangled up and worried, fretting and fear. We can rest from that. If you want to, you can rest in it. I mean, I suppose if you enjoy being full of anxiety and fear and, and worry all the time, you can, you can go ahead. <laughs> but God won't kill you for it, but it just, you'll make yourself miserable. You know? um, but you don't have to have, you don't have to live that way. And we need to actively be applying these truths uh, that David got. He said immediately as, when he got the comfort, he said, I want to turn around and be a help to other people. And so that's our place as well. You, you got the comfort, you know, and you're not worried about it. You're not concerned and you know that this is, you know, uh, what it is. Uh, the overreactions to it and so forth are there. You, you get that. You understand that you can drink out of your tap water and you're not scared. You know, uh, you realize that this week's supply of what you got in the house, you're probably going to be able to find it somewhere this next week in some store, someplace, you know. Uh, go to Lowe's. They got water at Lowe's if you can't find it in the store and you really want more plastic bottles around the house. <laughs> um, but uh, come over to our house. We have well water. You can drink our well water. We'll fill up your bucket and you can take a bucket home, you know, and, uh, and you can have well water. So uh, we, we, uh, we don't charge you anything for it. <laughs> but, uh, but those, you know, those things, uh, we're going to have some inconveniences and some difficulties. And we are going to have some people that really are genuinely needing our help and we are probably going to have something get really sick from it, you know, and we need to be concerned to, to pray and to minister, to help any way we can. So I want to give you some practical ways as we conclude that we might be able to do that. I appreciate the crafts. Uh, Bonnie and Jerry, are you here today? Uh, they're not here today, but they, they have kind of some while ago taken Brother Bagley under their wing and they've ministered to him and they have gone to get him things when he needed them and gone shopping for him, stuff like that. They sort of just adopted Brother Bagley as their, as their uh, individual. Brother Bagley's going to be moving in with his uh, son this next month because of his, uh, his weakening, uh, frail condition. But, uh, but they've done that. And uh, the others have done the same. The Ashes have kind of helped take care of uh, Margie's needs and have ministered to her. And different ones of you have picked out different individuals that uh, you, know, you can do that with. And so I, I want to encourage us to do more of that. We think of the elderly in our congregation, and they're the ones more susceptible to the uh, difficulties that, that don't put your hand on, on old, uh, on old uh, uh, brother uh, Ariel. <laughs> He's not there yet. I saw that. 
You think I don't pay any attention, but I saw that. <laughs> so uh, uh, don't single him out. He's not there. He's, he's got to minister to the elderly. So <laughs> I'm the elderly. So, <laughs> so help me. <laughs> but at any rate, those of us that, that have the uh, opportunity to be a blessing to others, we should be doing that. Let's be thinking about, you know, uh, talking to some of our folks that may be having difficulty getting to the store. It's not as easy. Um, you know, I, I think of Gert. She's, you know, not as able physically to get up and about and get around and so forth like that. So might be you could be a blessing to her just, you know, doing a run to the store for her or uh, helping her out uh, with some need that she has. She, you know, may, may need something. She may not, you know. She may say, uh, you know, I'm fine. But uh, let's, let's specifically be asking those in need. Now, you know, some of us are going to get offended if you treat us like elderly when we're perfectly healthy. We'll get offended at that, but uh, that's just our pride getting in the way. So, uh, so, uh, but, but be willing to be a help to them. And what we want to do after the after we're dismissed here in a minute is we'll have uh, some of our younger folks, Ryan and, and Jamie, and uh, and then uh, uh, Brother Christian and, and his wife uh, Sarah will be out here, and they'll. If you want to have some help with your uh, smartphone with getting, you know, set up with the app or getting figured out. So if you do have to stay at home sick or something, you want to still see the services, that kind of thing. They can kind of help you with that. If you need them, you know, to be willing to come. If you've got a computer at home and they need you need to set it up that way, they'll be glad to find a time to do that with you or help you with your phone to get the app on there, uh, whatever like that. Be happy to do that tech technical part and any of you young people any of you teens can help with that you're smarter than than uh, us way smarter than us about how to get on how to how to uh, you know share and, and that kind of thing so we can keep uh, updated keep better connected with that so any of you young people that want to help out some of these of us that you know have trouble even turning our phones on uh, you can help us out with that uh, that'd be a great uh, uh, service to many of us so so let's be, let's be aware of that after we're on our way out and just kind of seek out. And if you see somebody that's not here and you know probably why they're not here, that, that would be good to get in touch with them this week and make some calls. Be out and about actively ministering. Brother Rick gives another good suggestion, and that's this, that he's found that people are very open to talking about the things of the Lord when they're standing in lines waiting, you know, worried and upset. So um, be a testimony, be a witness out in the community here. And, uh, you know, just ask somebody if, if they want you to pray for them or if they have, you know, that. You, got, you think of your neighbors, you've got, uh, you've got probably some elderly neighbors maybe nearby you. You could go and see if they could use some help and uh, have any needs. Be a great thing. You've got some younger families that have kids that maybe you could help out a little bit uh, with that situation, with getting kids back and forth or... Or uh, maybe volunteering to, to uh, watch uh, the children for a couple hours while they go to the lines at the grocery store or whatever like that. Um, you know, you, there's so many ways we can just practically help each other and help in our community uh, with that. So I want to encourage you to make those kinds of decisions in the invitation time today and to, to, uh, to be willing to, to do that. Keep it all in perspective. You know, we've had about... Worldwide, about 5,000 deaths with this, and most of it has been those that have already had pre-existing health conditions and are elderly. Um, the 1918 Spanish flu, there were 50 million uh, deaths, 50 million compared to 5,000. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a perspective. In 2009, 
2009, the swine flu. It's not been that long ago. Many of you remember going through the season of the swine flu, and some of you had the swine flu. There were 575,000 people died in the swine flu episode, 575,000. So 5,000, uh, that is the current situation, you know, is well, well, well under, you know, the, uh, there, were, there weren't the near, as you remember the 2009 incident, there weren't, because there wasn't the publicity of it and there wasn't the media, you know, hype of it, um, there was not any panic. There were no lines at the grocery stores. There were no people buying pallet loads of, of bottled water and toilet paper. So, so uh, you, can, you can see that some of, some of the reaction response is really an overblown situation, at least at this point, you know. I, I don't know what is ahead, and I don't know what God uh, has, but I do know that he's in charge, and I am confident that uh, he wants us to respond reasonably and, uh, to, and passionately, compassionately, uh, to the to the situation, he wants to use it to bring people to Christ. So let's uh, let's be part of that solution as we move forward. Let's stand together and give an invitation. Let me ask you if you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior to come and put your faith in Him. Come under the shadow of His wings. Let me ask you to do that today. If you're here today and and you don't know Christ and you're not sure, let us show you out of the Bible how somebody showed us, and you can be sure to going forward that you're a child of God and that you're going to heaven and that uh, you're safe in His care. Whatever happens to you, you're in His care. So let's bow our heads together. I want to ask you to pray and Christians praying. Our heads are bowed with no one looking about. Let me ask you a personal question. If that, is that the case with you? Are you here today and you say, Preacher, i got to be honest, I'm not absolutely sure if I die to go to heaven. I'm not sure that I have a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, but... I'm concerned enough to say pray for me. Here's my hand. Would you lift your hand up if that be you today? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I would like to know for sure. I'd like to have that peace, but I haven't got it yet. Pray for me here. Here's my hand. Anyone like that? All right. You're saved already, and thank God for that. You're here because you're saved. You're here because you want to hear from God and His Word. So um, you as a Christian, you and I need to make that conscious decision to keep the Lord in His place as our comfort, our, our trust. And then we need to also be willing to, uh, to um, follow his leadership in whatever way we can minister. We need to be much in prayer that God will use our testimony to bring others to him. Father, we ask your blessing on the invitation. We pray that as we think about ways we can be servants and ministers to others, we pray that you help us to see some of those ways and open some of those doors to us. And we pray for each person here that uh, has, uh, at times like all of us have, some some discomfort, some worry, some concern, some, some fear about these things. I pray that you administer all of us and help us to recognize that you're not the author of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And help us, Lord, to have that, have that as our as our uh, anchor, our help, and our hope. And pray your blessing, invitation time. And if we need to respond here on our knees, give us that guidance. If you would lead us to be of help to specific persons today and give us that guidance. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we sing a song of invitation, if you need to respond here and come at the altar, come on ahead. 443, we sing.